Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are going to be talking about, we have two topics that we want to get through, plus we have our March Madness. So we have got quite a bit of a show. So we want to talk about paperbacks that have come out in the last, I guess, four months, five months, um, I guess, pretty much since the last time we did that show. And then Gail also had the idea to do books that were set in summer, not books, you know, not, not the beach reads or the books that we look forward to reading during the summer, but books actually set in summer. So she sent me scurrying through the stacks <laughs> <laughs> to figure some things out. So, but before we get into all of that good stuff, Gail, why don't you tell us what you've been reading? Sure. So my reading has picked up, which I'm happy to say, because as we know, I was in a bit of a reading slump. So um, I finished a couple books. One that I know you read, Confessions on the 745, mm-hmm. which is a thriller about uh, <laughs> <laughs> two people. Well, let's see, a couple in New York who, um, wait, oh my God, all of a sudden I just completely blanked on what this book is about. <laughs> okay. It's, um, so it is a thriller about a woman is taking the train home from New York back to her, um, her home in the suburbs. And she confesses to the woman sitting next to her on the train that she has caught her husband on the nanny cam having an affair with the nanny. And that sets off a whole sequence of events where the nanny disappears and then you know, she feels like she's told this woman some things that maybe she shouldn't have because some right. weird, weird things start happening. Weird things start happening. And who is she, who is this woman she's confiding in? And she's starting to get texts from her on her phone. And at the same time, she's dealing with her husband's infidelity and things basically unravel from there. So it is, you know, it is a thriller. It was a page turner. Um, There's some twists and turns. I thought she did a nice job with kind of unpeeling the story. Um, and, you know, you look at different timelines and you kind of see who these two different women are, how they got to where they are in the book and, you know, what's the connection between them. So I thought it was pretty good for a thriller, you know, not again, not the most like, um, lasting impression it left on me, but as we can still, see, <laughs> as we can see, cause I'm I can like, what remember. is it about? Uh, so, but it, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I really like that one as a thriller. I mean, some of them, I felt like it's funny talking about thrillers because it's almost like positive things or you talk about it positive in a negative sort of way. It's like it didn't deteriorate as much as it could have at the end. (laughs) Right. It didn't go off the tracks into completely implausible territory. Right. I felt like there were some surprises in there and I felt like... I thought she wrapped it up. I mean, there are some thrillers that I, I, I like thrillers, but, and I, f- I feel like I just read one that just went, comp- oh yeah, Her Dark Lies by J.T. Ellison. I read and I, and it was good. You know, it's, it's set up nicely, takes place in a place that you want to read about. And then it just, 
the last third of it, it was just completely like the body count just <laughs> exploded. Like oh, what, boy. Is, what is going on here? Yeah, uh, exactly. So sometimes they just, you know, they just really veer off into like complete nowhere land. <laughs> like you're just like, what just happened? But yeah, yeah I thought that one was pretty good. Um, you know, it got me, I, I, I think I mentioned before that I was just having trouble focusing on books and that was like, I picked that one up because I thought I need a thriller that's just going to get me turning the pages and then I'll sort of activate that muscle again and be ready to go. And it worked. So I think thrillers are good for that. That's the thriller last year that I talked about so much was the one that got me out of my reading slump, which is about these friends who are reunited with a friend who's been missing for two years and she's acting so weird when she gets back. It was a page turner and of course, the name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> oh, it's called The Return. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was not, it was, it leaned towards the horror side. Um, it did have some interesting things to say about female friendships and letting go. But it was just one of those things that, okay, I'm into this and I want to see what happens. And it just pulls you along. And I feel like even still, sometimes I have to be careful in terms of of choosing books that are, I'm still not in in the um, take on serious topics. I feel like I have to balance those books, and it's still the thrillers that are kind of getting me through. Yeah. All right. So, what are you reading so that, now? Uh, so, I'm actually reading kind of another thriller. <laughs> of course, I'm reading Too Good to Be True by Carola Lovering, which was in part at your recommendation. And it's really good. It's really good. I can tell that it's really good because when things are really good, I get a text from Gail saying, can (laughs) I run something by you? Or am I on the right path with this? (gasps) Right, (laughs) right. And I got one of those texts. I was like, oh, she likes it. A twist. And I was like, wait. And I started thinking about it and my mind started whirling and I thought, oh, I have a theory here. So I sent you my theory. And then you said, do you want me to confirm it? And I said, no, because I want to see what's going on. I wanted to see how it plays out, but I really like it. I'm doing it on audio. The audio is great. Is it? It's three different narrators, especially the guy who does Burke is really good. Um, but yeah, it's good. So if, you, if you're not familiar with this book, it is about um, a man who basically like goes to this you know, fancy hotel for the weekend to cheat on his wife and meets this woman. And, um, he, you know, they start getting involved and and he discovers things about her that he thinks are going to kind of be his ticket to solving what's going on in the rest of his life where he has a wife and three kids. And, um, you know, you, the, the perspective rotates among the woman that he has the affair with him and his wife, his real wife. But as you see, as you go through it, you're not really sure what narrative, what narration you're getting. So there's some, there's some tricks and some, some deception on the part of the author, I think going on. And it's just, it's fun. It's, it's really good. How so, close are you to finishing? I'm only like halfway. Okay. I'm, I'm in part two. <laughs> so I still, I'm sure have some bumpy roads ahead in that one, but I really like it. And it's, it's very good. I've got a lot of books kind of going on right now. Just like things I'm like halfway done with or 
things I'm in the middle of. And that one's progressing pretty quickly. So I, I like it a lot. I think I read that one pretty quickly. I think it was, if I was reading anything else at the time, they quickly just got pushed out of the way. And it was all about, you know, reading the next little bits to see what in the world was going on with that relationship. Um, there's definitely some, I guess, misdirection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some things that you're thinking might be the case and it turned, I thought she, she did her twist really well with this. Yeah. I, I think like if this. I were reading this, I would have, I would have finished it by now, but the right, audio that you're doing slows audios. it down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, what's your blow dry book? Oh, great question. So my blow dry book is called Who Gets In and Why by, oh my God, what's his last, last name is Salinga. I'm blanking on his first name. It's actually all about um, the college admissions process. I, was about to I say, call it nonfiction. Nonfiction. I call it a horror, a horror book because it's about <laughs> who gets into college. I have two high school juniors. So this is very much on everybody's mind. And I don't know if you've read any of the articles about this admissions year, it was absolutely insane. Like each of the schools got somewhere between, you know, 52 up to a hundred percent more applications this year than they did, than they have in the past, which means that the admissions rates have gotten so low. They've shrunk, shrunk, shrunk to just like, you know, single digits. Um, so, you know, this book was written pre pandemic. I was was about to say, why would that or is this information pre-pandemic? Because I thought a lot of people were opting out of IV, staying closer to home, controlling costs because you weren't guaranteed like a college life on campus. Well, that may have been for last year because of the pandemic, but for next fall, where I think most people are assuming that we'll be back to normal-ish, mm-hmm. um, the applications went through the roof. Actually, the, one of the main reasons is that most of the schools went test optional. So you do they're not requiring the SAT or the ACT because Ooh. it was too hard for students to take it because mm-hmm. so many test centers were closed. And, um, and it's just stressful. Stressful. It was, you know, people couldn't, the, the uh, exam dates were being canceled. That happened to my girls. They were supposed to take it last fall. They couldn't take it because every time they had a test scheduled, it would get canceled. So the schools let the requirement go so that a lot of kids were like, well, I, my scores weren't really competitive for that school, but now that I don't have to submit scores, I might as well apply. So the numbers of applicants actually went way up, even at the selective schools that were far away from where people live. So numbers are through the roof. Then there's also slightly fewer spots because kids last fall decided to, um, or last spring, they decided to defer. Right. So it's just, it was like a perfect storm. So, you know, jury's out on what's going to happen next year, but most schools are still test optional. So it could be just as bad. So this book, is, you know, he wrote it before the pandemic. It came out in the beginning. When did it come out? Oh man, I think it came out last spring. So it came out before the pandemic hit or right around when the pandemic hit. And then it also incorporates a bit of the Varsity Blues scandal. But that, you know, like he was, Jeffrey Selenka, that's his name. He was clearly writing it before these things happened. And then, you know, he has to try to incorporate it in. So it's, 
I'm almost done with that one. Maybe I'm like three fourths of the way done um, because I only, as you know, read a couple pages a day while I'm blow drying my hair, but it's good. Stressful, but good. What will happen if you stop blow drying your hair? (laughs) Oh, I'd go down at least two books a year. (laughs) It has to be more than that. You must get through, you must get through a book a quarter. Yeah, that's probably true. So that's like four books. I mean, you know, things would shift around. I'd get back to reading Us Weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, no, if I wasn't blow drying, I don't know. Yeah, number of books would go down. Four less books. Yeah. So we we depend on Gail straightening her hair every morning. Yes. it's. I don't think there's much risk of me not blow drying my hair because it looks <laughs> really bad if I don't. Um, all right. What are you reading? Um, I am at that point where I just finished a book. So I read a mystery or like a detective novel. It's um, by an author. Her name is Louisa Luna. And she, her first novel was Two Girls Down. And it is about this, this mother whose two children, she like briefly goes into a store to pick up a gift for a birthday party. And her two girls, age 10 and eight, go missing. And there is a private investigator so it's not a detective novel, it's sort of like a PI novel, who is from California, who's badass. She's found all of these missing people, children. Her name is Alice Vega, and she comes to help this family find out what happened to these girls and hopefully to bring them to bring them home alive. And she teams up with a former police detective. I believe this takes place in Pennsylvania. And so he's reluctant to to join her, but she, she, uh, does him a solid and finds this guy who he's been looking for, for his PI practice. And he agrees to work with her. So it's all about them solving this case. And it's the first in the series. I've already ordered the second book because I really enjoyed it. Uh, a little spare in the writing kind of reminds me a little bit of more hard boiled PI novels, you know, the character of course has demons. Um, and that would be Alice. She has demons. Like her mom has died of cancer. She's also lost a very good friend. So she's kind of driven by these things in her work, her memories and, and, and I guess her work is how she channels a lot of that and yoga and the detective that she works with, Max Kaplan, he like he's gone through a divorce. He is, his, he's not working in his department or as a cop anymore because of something that went wrong that may or not, may not have been his fault. Seems like he has like taken responsibility for a friend who worked with him. So it's one of those series, I think that will explore the relationship. You know, this is the first book. So the relationship is slowly developing between the characters, but it was good. And it had some twists and turns. I was not able to figure out what was going on. Um, And the end was a little bit surprising. So I really, I recommend that. Okay. That's two girls down. That's two girls down by Louisa Luna. Okay. And so right now I am probably going to start what is it? The last revival of Opal and Nev. Oh, I just got that in the mail. 
Uh, yeah, it's good from what I see so far. Like it's yeah. it's set up as an anthology about this this punk rock group. Um, so I think I'm going to really like it. Is it, um, when you say anthology, is it kind of like a oral history, sort of like, um, Daisy Jones? It's sort of like, yes, it's set up like that. Um, whereas Daisy Jones, you didn't know the, who was putting it, the project together. This one is right at the beginning. You know, that the woman who is conducting these interviews and who's spearheading this project is someone who, let me see, the the title character, Opal, was having an affair with her father. And then he, like, he is killed in some kind of riot at, I think, a concert that they're performing because her father was a drummer, I believe. So already it's, so you know that she, like Opal, she runs into Opal and they decide that she is going to get the exclusive on telling the story. And she's also arrived at a point in her life where she feels like she can tell the story. She's just been appointed editor in chief at the magazine that she's worked for for years. So I don't have much more than that. Like it's supposed to explore, you know, what happened to her father, what happened to the group, because they are just getting together and thinking about doing a, a revival tour, but they have not you know, been in contact for years. So it has Daisy Jones vibes, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it will, besides the format, if it will be that similar. Okay. So is there anything in April that you're looking forward to? Any new releases that catch your eye? Yeah, there's been a lot. Um, I don't know. It seems like there's like just no end of good books coming out. So there's a Do you think it's because some got delayed? I think we're still on the delayed schedule. Like some books did not come out last year. That's possible. So it seems like it's kind of front loaded right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just keep seeing people posting about books all over, uh, you know, bookstagram. And then I'm like, oh, well, that looks good. And that looks good. And I'm adding books to my wish list at the library. And I mean, it's just, it's, as you know, it's kind of becomes an obsession. Um, there's a book that just came out that I just started. I kind of just picked it up this morning before we started recording and I, you know, got sucked in to like page 20. It's called Other People's Children by R.J. Hoffman. And it's a book about a couple in Chicago who have had a number of miscarriages and they are trying to adopt. And then I think they get chosen by a teenage or young pregnant woman to adopt their kid. And, but I think that the, that girl, like her mother, her grandmother is not um, in favor for giving the child up for adoption. So I think you've got these three women who are all dealing with issues of maternity and, you know, kids and parenting and all of that. And I think it's gonna, you know, these three lives are gonna intersect and get involved with each other. But I just picked it up and the writing was great. And I don't know, only read <laughs> like 20 minutes, but it was really good. So that one has caught my eye. And then another book that I got through a swap is called Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason, which is apparently a really realistic depiction of kind of mental illness and 
depression in a relationship and like how it plays out. It's a novel and it's supposed to be just a very honest and realistic depiction of a woman kind of dealing with these issues and how it affects her partner and, you know, what happens to them. And I just have read good things about that. So those are two books that are in the house that I'm excited about that are new releases. How about you? Um, So I ordered Good Company by Mm -hmm. Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. And it's about this couple who have been happily married for 20 years, but then she stumbles upon his wedding ring in an envelope. And her husband said, had told her that he had lost his wedding ring. So of course, where's it coming from? They have a young daughter, Ruby. And I guess the ring was lost when Ruby was five. And her best friend is somehow in this mix. So this woman um, is taking a look back just to see what happened, to see if her relationship has been based on a lie all these years. And the title of the novel takes its takes um, is from a theater company that she that Julian, her husband, runs. So they've struggled. They've made this a success. They're at that point where they should be coasting, and of course, it's like the past comes back to haunt them. And then the other book that I want to read is When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean. And she has written, she'd written, I think The Paris Wife is one of her other books that I read and really enjoyed. So this one seems like it's more of a mystery. She usually writes books. She writes historical fiction because I think she wrote a lot. The Paris Wife was about Hemingway, Hemingway's wife and the time that they spent in France and kind of her experience with his set. And I think she wrote a sequel to that. So this book is set in the present day North Carol- Nor- Northern California. And um, it's about this woman. She was a missing persons detective. I think she is leaving San Francisco and going to Northern California to, I don't know, reset her life. And of course she gets drawn into this mystery of this teenage girl who has gone missing. I get uh, Long Bright River vibes from this book. Hmm. Yeah, I I don't know if it has the drug aspect. Yeah, no, I mean, just like the kind of literary mystery. Right, yeah. I think that, that, that you're probably right about that. Uh, this story, I believe, I haven't read a lot about it, but I think she mentions that she was haunted, like it's a, something uh, autobiographical that she has you know, written about, taking a different direction in terms of instead of mining the lives of other literary figures, this comes from something that affected her in her own life. So those are my two, and they're both books by authors that I have read before, which makes me happy because I'm trying to, that's like, I feel like that's been my focus this year. Like I'm not, I haven't stopped reading new releases or, or debut authors because that's, 
it's impossible to do. There's just so many tempting books, but I have like been making a concentrated effort to at least half the books I read each month are books, you know, where I'm following up with authors that I really loved. So that being said, I don't, I mean, we still have quite a few things to get to, so we won't do any literary news today. But what do you think, what do you want to start with? Should we start with paperbacks or books at sure. summer? Let's do the paperbacks. I think we can just go through them pretty quickly. Okay. Because we do have the summer books to discuss. Um, and for me, at least, most of these paperbacks are books that we've discussed on the show already that are now out. Um, how do you want to do this? Should we just go, should we do want to, should we each do our own, just run through our lists and then. Sure. Like you said, I think that we can do this pretty quickly because we have discussed a little, you know, these on the show. So why don't you just run down okay. what you have and maybe just a sentence or two to remind people of the plot. Sure. Okay. Um, and not all of these are ones I loved, but there were ones that were, you know, certainly very popular that people might, you know, be interested in. Um, all Adults Here, Emma Straub, is a book about a family in a small Connecticut town. I think it was Connecticut. Small Connecticut town where it's like a mom and her kids and her grown kids, and they all kind of end up coming back and sort of inserting themselves in their mom's life. And the mom has started to get involved with, has actually been a, a long time involved in a relationship with a woman and her kids don't know that. So it's sort of about her revealing the, the truth about her life while also trying to help her kids through their issues. Um, and the next one is one that I read kind of recently, Becoming Duchess Goldblatt by Anonymous, which is a memoir about a woman who starts a Twitter account at Duchess Goldblatt and how she finds this community through this Twitter account that helps her kind of regain her footing after a divorce. And I'd recommend following the Twitter account. And it's just a very, it's kind of a quirky, odd memoir, but it was, uh, it was really good. Just an interesting woman. And she's a very funny writer. Uh, big Summer by Jennifer Weiner. This was a, a, a big book two summers ago, I think. And it's about a woman who is a Instagram or influencer who gets invited to her ex-best friend's wedding on the Cape. And it sort of starts out as a book about friendship and turns into a bit of a mystery, which is kind of an interesting little twist that happens halfway through the book, um, where somebody in the book ends ends up dead and they have to figure out who it was and who committed the murder. So it, this was a bit of a mixed bag for me, but it was certainly a page turner and a good summer read. Uh, Where the Crawdads Sing, I don't think that needs any explanation. <laughs> book juggernaut. That, that book is now finally, in finally out in paperback. So you're going to be seeing it even more than you saw it when it came out two or three years ago. And then there's a movie or a Netflix something. Or oh, yes. And you know who they cast as her, I think, is the woman from Normal People. Oh, really? Is it? Oh, yeah. Maybe. It, because I remember up? you thinking, wondering if you could divorce her from Marianne. Right. 
to play this other right, character. Right, right, right. To play, uh, I've already forgotten the name of the character and where the crowd at sing. Um, yeah. So that book will be everywhere. Um, another book, Juggernaut book, that's now out in paperback is Becoming by Michelle Obama. So that will be easier to pick up. Um, A Good Neighborhood by Therese Ann Fowler, which you and I both read. Did we ever end up talking about it? We were going to. I don't think we did. Oh, that's too bad. We should. Um, I think I liked it maybe a little more than you did, but that was a book about two families living next door to each other and uh, a tragedy happens and it because well, not a tragedy. Be, uh, well, yes, actually there is a tragedy, tragedy <laughs> involved. There's a lot of things that happen in that book, but it's about race and um, how black and white kids are treated very differently by their community and by the police. And um, the thing about this book is it's told from the perspective of the neighborhood. So it is a it's like a, a Greek chorus. It's, yeah, it's the Greek chorus telling the story of what happened when these two families live next to each other and when their kids kind of become involved with each other. Yep. I liked this one a lot. Uh, although there is just a sense of dread that starts from page one that <laughs> goes through the whole book. <laughs> yeah. As the Greek chorus explains in, in, um, in hindsight, how maybe they should have thought this or done that or <laughs> right. why they thought this or that. Right. Um, in five years by Rebecca Searle, which I liked a great deal better than her first book, um, the dinner list. And this is about, um, friendship and young adulthood. And there's a little bit of an element of, uh, I didn't say magical realism, but you know, somebody kind of gets a glimpse of five years ahead in her life and, what she sees five years later makes absolutely no sense. And she's trying to figure out how does she end up getting from point A to point B. Um, I read this one like on an airplane and I thought it was really good. I just kind of like tore through it. So I like that one a lot. Um, A book I didn't read, but I want to read Hidden Valley Road by Robert Kolker, which is about a family with like 12 kids of which eight of them or something turn out to be schizophrenic. So it's about yeah, this, just this family, too. yeah, where this mental illness just kind of just, you know, pervaded the whole family and how they dealt with it. And it was, it happened like in the sixties or something, seventies, like it's not, a, these kids are not being raised now. This happened a long time ago. And then finally, I'm going to put in a little plug for Buzzsaw, which is a book I loved. It is um, by Jesse Doherty, who is the beat reporter for the Washington Post who covers the Nats. And um, it's about the 2019 World Series season. (laughs) And it's great if you love the Nats. And even if you don't love the Nats, but you like baseball, it's a really fun story about how a team that was kind of left for dead in in May, by May of 2019 and was you know, really having all kinds of issues, how they, against all odds, actually won the World Series that year. It's just like very engaging and, um, and he's a great writer. So Buzzsaw is out in paperback. Okay. So I'm just trying to think how I want to arrange this. There are a couple that I feel like came out in January, but also were probably, they were probably trade paperback releases or, they did something where both hardcover and trade paperback 
notes were released at the same time, which hmm. I think that people sometimes, uh, imprint sometimes do if they feel like it's a strong book club book. Oh, interesting. Um, and I think those were The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins because that just came out. So it was. I'm thinking that was probably a trade paperback original. And that is the one that is just a very, very loose retelling of Jane Eyre set in this community in Birmingham, Alabama, Thornfield Estates. And uh, I really like that one. I listened to it on audio, which I feel like probably influenced how much I liked it. Uh, I don't know that if I had read it, if I would have liked it as much, but as an audio experience, it was great. Uh, the other one that I think is probably trade paperback released or some kind of hybrid is The Good Sister by Sally Hepworth, which I really liked. I know you had been trying to get me to read The Mother-in-Law, so I may actually go back and read that now. But The Good Sister is about these twin sisters, one who's trying to have a baby but can't, and her sister who is neurodiverse, decides that she is going to have the baby for her. She's going to get pregnant and give her sister the baby. And of course, that does not go, that does not go smoothly at all. Um, is that book, um, that's not a thriller. Um, based on what you said about the mother-in-law, like, would you consider that a thriller? I don't, it's no, it's more of a mystery. Yeah, I would say that it's more of a mystery. It's more about these two sisters, their strong relationship to each other and their relationship with their mother. And I think both of the sisters kind of see this relationship differently. Like one feels like she has definitely been favored over the other. So it's interesting sister dynamics or whatever, but it does have some some snappy little twists. Okay. So one, Gail, that you said that you wanted to read based on my description was The Other Bennett Sister by Janice Hadlow. That came out April 6th. And of course, that is about another of the Bennett sisters. This one is about Mary. And, you know, I like that book. It was a little bit of a mixed bag for me because I felt like maybe the first third of the book really closely tracks Pride and Prejudice. Um, where you basically go through Pride and Prejudice, but with Mary's perspective inserted in, and she does not get along with Elizabeth. She doesn't get along with many of her sisters. You know, this is her story of being an outsider. I think it really picks up when she goes to live with um, her aunt uncle, I think it's the gardeners. When she goes to live there and she starts developing relationships and a life of her own because the first third to a half of the book is just is is basically okay we're gonna retell you pride and prejudice and why elizabeth is wrong <laughs> or not a good sister so but some of those issues are straightened out and resolved and mary gets her own voice in the second half of the story but it's true to form in terms of it being a period piece having that kind of language and getting a look at at how people lived at that time. So Pretty Things by Janelle Brown uh, also came out on April 6th. I listened to this on audio. I had tried to read something else by Janelle Brown. I think it was Watch Me Disappear. That was a rare 
DNF that I actually DNF because there's a lot of books that I don't finish, but it's not because I don't like them. It's more like mood or I had to read something else and just never got back to them. That book, I really like, it just seemed like it was just not going anywhere fast enough. So with this book, it is about a woman who is an influencer who has just broken up with her fiance and she has gone to her family's estate to kind of recover and and just think about her life. But then it's also about this other woman who is a con artist who is looking to pull one last con with her boyfriend and she decides that the mark is going to be this woman, this influencer who grew up on an on this estate and we find out that she had known, you know, these two had known each other as children. Of course, the grifter is aware of their relationship, but the influencer is not. And I really like that. I listened to it on audio. It, you know, it was, it was compelling. And uh, so I don't know if it was growth between her last books, but I really like this one, even though I did not finish her, the book previously I tried to read by her. So Indelicacy is a book that I have mentioned that I really like. That's kind of like one of these books that's meandering, not about anything, but this woman's life. She starts out her life as a cleaner. You know, she talks about the relationship that she develops with this one woman before she gets married and all of a sudden is a wealthy woman with time on her hands. And she wants to be a writer. So she's writing all of her musings about this art and theater and dance that she goes to see. And it's just about the evolution of her life from, you know, being a cleaner, not having any prospects for any of the things that she would have wanted. And then having this life where she has the opportunity to have the finer things through her marriage and like what direction she takes from that. So Deacon King Kong is out by James McBride. And that is about this, uh, this older man who shoots a young drug dealer in the housing community that they live in. And like, what is supposed to be, uh, what could be the repercussions of that? It takes place over, I would say a week or two as, as this is worked out, like, well, this drug dealer go after him? How can he protect himself? But it's also linked a lot to the past and what the community has been like over the years that he's lived there. So it's like a past and present amalgam. I really like this book. I thought it was a little bit, he's a little bit of a colorful writer and it was a little long-winded, but I liked it. Um, so I think there's a couple of more. Her Dark Lies, I won't say too much about because I think I mentioned it at the top of the show, but it's it's out. Uh, I think it was probably a trade paperback release. Uh, I don't know because I, I read it on my, one of the few books that I read on my Kindle. So I, it was good enough to get through on that, which I think is saying something. Uh, did you mention Uncanny Valley? No. Yeah, that came out. I mean, it's been out for a while. That was like a January release, but it's out in paperback now. Love that book. Um, and then there's two more that were kind of weird. One is the Black Cathedral, which was set in Cuba and sort of set in the United States because one of the characters from Cuba leaves to come and marry 
a woman that he meets, I believe in Florida and he ends up murdering her. But this was a, it was a weird book. Uh, it talks a lot about race relations in Cuba, just how they're different than they are in the United States. Like, uh, I guess more concentrated on it being a colorist society and just about, about the people who live in this community where this black cathedral is being built. I don't know that I fully understood what was going on in this book. It was like interesting to read. It was in translation. So it's always kind of fascinating to me to read, you know, about cultures where the culture is not, I guess, rooted in anything that I would be familiar with living in North America. And the last book on my list is St. Evo. It's by Joanna Hershen. And it was like this kind of creepy literary thriller about a couple who had become estranged from this couple who is now living upstate. And they go to visit the couple when the couple has a new baby. And it's just kind of a strange relation uh, relationship book about why they became estranged, were no longer friends and just couple dynamics. So that's it for me for books and paperback. Lots of books. <laughs> <laughs> so take note if you're picking books for a book club. All right. Um, let's move on to the topic of our show. <laughs> the main topic of our show, which is book set in summer. So it's starting to get warm. The days are getting longer. We're not quite at summer yet. We still have, you know, two more months of spring about, but, um, I think that our thoughts are moving towards summer. So we thought it might be nice to talk about some books where summer plays a role. So these are all books set in the summertime that we have read and enjoyed. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. So like I said, Gail, I had this idea and I was like, oh, sure. And then I kind of wondered. I think Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam is set in the summertime. What do you think? That, yeah, that was yeah. on my list too. They go, so it's about this couple and their children who go to, they're looking forward to a vacation in the Hamptons. They have a house, you know, they're not on the beach, but they have this gorgeous house with a pool and they're just looking forward to this luxury vacation. I think they have the house for like two weeks and the first night or maybe even the second night that they are there, the couple's owners show up to uh, to basically stay with them because they say that something has gone on in the city. And of course, the renting couple is very reluctant. Like, who are these people? I don't think that they had they expected that the owners of the home were going to be black. So there's like this racial dynamic and there's just this general unease of what's happening in the city. What are um, the homeowners intentions? Like, you know, to have your vacation crashed by the people who own the home is definitely not something that they were expecting. And they don't know if this couple is telling the truth about why they've left the city. So it's just like this creeping unease throughout the entire book. Yes, for sure. Um, I, uh, I listed that one too. I think that the summer element to it is very, it, you know, you, you really feel like you're at the summer house. You can hear the crickets and you can feel the darkness of the night as they sit outside. 
um, you know, having a glass of wine by the pool and the heat, the kind of oppressive heat that keeps driving them inside because it's too hot to be outside. I, I, it was very atmospheric. That's exactly what I was going to say. Very atmospheric. There's that part that I remember where the husband decides to take the drive to figure out what is going on. And it's like, he's driving and he doesn't see anything and it's so hot. Yeah. Right. He gets lost. He gets lost. Won't ask for directions. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Yeah, no, for sure. That was on my list as well. Um, Okay. So the next book on my list is One Day by David Nichols. And this is about uh, two friends in college, M and Dex, who... um, become friends in college and they kind of go in and out of each other's lives over the decades. And the book checks in with them on July 15th every year. And you find out, you know, what are they each doing and are they in touch? Are they not in touch? What's the status of their relationship? Are they speaking? Are they not speaking? And it's just a very realistic portrayal of sort of post-college life and, you know, the process of becoming an adult. And because it takes place on the same day in July every year, uh, it's always set in the summer. So they're either on vacation or they're, you know, in their real life, but, but summer plays a big part of that one. So this is a book I kind of come back to a lot, I feel like on this show, and I, I kind of would like to reread it. Hmm. I, like I think you should. Yeah. It's been a long time. <clears throat> I never watched the movie. Maybe I should do that. One of the things we have not done, we did our summer of classics. I think we should bring that back. Yeah. Maybe this summer we will do one classic book and one reread. Oh, I love that. So TBD. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. Is it me? Yeah. So the next book Set in the summer is The House on Fripp Island by Rebecca Kaufman. And it is about this couple. I just read this recently. It's about this couple, two couples who go on vacation together. And it is because the women are childhood best friends. And, but they're from very different standings now. Like, even though they both grew up kind of working class, one of them has married well. Um, so, she hasn't, she's tried to get her friend to go on vacation with her for a while, but finally they win a trip to Fripp Island. Like her husband is, I think they're at a fundraiser and either he wins a raffle or he's gambling and he wins this trip. So they go. And this is the reason why her friends, this other couple decides to, to go with them because they, you know, it's a free trip. So it's all about what happens this summer. Like it is the wealthy family is Lisa and Scott. They have two girls and the other family is Poppy and her husband, I think his name is John and they have a boy and a girl. So they're, each of the kids is at a different point in their life. Like I think their son is 17. He's going to be looking forward to going to college you know, one of the daughters is 14. Of course, she has a little bit of a crush on the son. And then there's two little girls, one who the family is supporting through her identity and gender issues. Like she, 
has a very masculine look that she's exploring. And then there is the other younger daughter who's just very talkative. So there are very different dynamics with this family. Like the wealthy family seems like they may be having problems in their marriage. Uh, The husbands don't really get along because they are, you know, the furthest from each other. One is working class and one is an attorney. (laughs) It comes out later what kind of attorney attorney he is, which makes it a little bit funny. So they're in South Carolina. It's really hot. There's lots of secrets. It's a slow novel. Like it's not one of those, uh, I would say you don't get anywhere fast, even though there is a question at the beginning, because you know, from the very first page that on this vacation, one of them is not going to be going back home. Mm, Okay. Yeah, I've been seeing that book around a lot. Um, Okay, my next one is Sag Harbor by Colson Whitehead. So this is a book that um, it takes place in Sag Harbor on Martha's Vineyard. And I think it takes place in the 80s. And it's about two brothers. And what's interesting to me about this book is it's really different from his other books that I've read, or at least it's very different from Nick, the nickel boys. So this is, this book kind of meanders a bit. It does, it doesn't have a tight plot. It is just, you know, lots of detail about growing up, um, his family, uh, this, you know, the main character's family, what it was like on the Island. Um, it's, you know, this sort of lazy, slow summer where not a lot is happening. And these two boys have basically been left on their own during the week. And then their parents come out on the weekends. And I had kind of mixed feelings about it because I felt like the majority of the book felt very slow and kind of without much to propel it forward. And then at the end, Something happens? Well, nothing major happens, but I think that the way he is writing changes because he starts, the, the, the boy starts to kind of understand things about his parents and his family. And he, you know, kind of sort of coming of age, like he starts to see them with the eye of an adult as opposed to a kid. And there's a lot of insights that he gets at the end that kind of make the first part of the book worth it, even though it was a long ways to get there. And it's very different for me, for me than uh, Nickel Boys, which had such tight plotting. You know, you, you felt like that book was like, like a live wire. Like you, every, every page, every paragraph mattered because what was happening was so relevant and so important to get you to the end, whereas this one felt very different from that. But I, I thought the end justified the, the first part of the book and it's, you know, this slice of time and life that he captures very well. I would like to try to read that book again because that I DNF that book, I think, because it was so mm. slow. Yep. I can understand DNFing it. And I just wonder, I mean, I was a lot younger when I tried to read that book. I feel like that must, that book must be almost 10 years old. Yeah, it's old. Uh, Colson Whitehead is interesting because I feel like he has been all over the map with his book. Didn't he write something about playing poker? Then he had that one sort of vampire novel. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Zone One or something like that. Yeah, you're right. He is really all over the place. Right. 
And then he won the Pulitzer for Nickel Boys. <laughs> right. So I think that he's someone who's always pushing the envelope in terms of his own writing and exploring different things. Yeah, I think um, that's right. And just as a note to that, a little newsy item is that the Underground Railroad, actually, they just released the trailer. I think it's going to be on Amazon Prime. They, It's going to be a short, probably a limited series, and it's coming out in May. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'll put in a plug for the audio for Sag Harbor, which I just can still remember the narrator's voice. It's interesting with that many years later when you can conjure up a voice when you hear the title of the book. So you might like the audio. Okay. If you're going to redo it. I'll check that out. If I can see if I can get through it again. Yeah. So my next book set in the summer is The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a book. So that book is about, um, I think his... His name is Tom Ripley, and he is hired by Dickie Greenleaf's father. Like this wealthy man has decided that his son has, is just enough. He's been loafing around Europe with his girlfriend, and it is just time for him to come home. So he pays Tom Ripley to go and bring his son home with just disastrous consequences because Tom Ripley is a bit of a sociopath and ends up taking over Dickie Greenleaf's life and just running around Europe and him uh, after he's responsible for Dickie's untimely death. So that, of course, was made into a movie starring Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Jude Law. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, that's right. He plays the friend. Um. So she, I mean, Patricia Highsmith, I think, has had many people imitate or reference her work. She is known as a classic. She wasn't known as a very nice woman from what I have read. She would have like this very acerbic wit and was just mean to people. Uh, but this is this is like a classic novel. It's a lot of it takes place in Italy in the summer. Um so it's a mix of like rich people behaving badly and a sociopath reacting to that or becoming or deciding to take on that life himself. Their Social Creature was um, a novel that came out a couple of summers ago. I think that uh, had had Patricia Highsmith vibes. And then I just read a book where it wasn't Patricia Highsmith vibes exactly, but I think the author was influenced a lot by her. So she called her book The Talented Miss Farwell. And I just read that book and it was about art and I really like that. Yeah. I want to read that one. Okay, my next book, I talk about this like every single episode, but I don't know how I can not talk about it in this one. And that is 28 Summers by Elin Hildebrand, which takes place every... Labor Day for 28 years. So this book, Summer, is just a huge part of it because it's about a couple who reunite at the woman's house on uh, Nantucket, right? Every um, every Labor Day, even though he is married and at times she is involved as well. They have this clandestine affair that goes on for 30 years. So um, 
summer is just a huge element to it. They do the same thing every every three-day weekend when they're together and they have their traditions and there's beaches and boats and sand and lobsters and, you know, everything you would think for a Nantucket summer. And I know I talk about this book all the time, so I won't say much more about it, but I mean, God, the word summer is in the title. How could I not? Is this where you got the idea for the show? <laughs> I don't think so, but you're like, it was certainly the first books. book that came to mind. <laughs> yeah. It's your new Kitchens of the Great Midwest. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's such different books, but yeah, it is. I know I talk about it all the time. All right. So my next book is Devotion by Madeline Stevens. This came out a couple of summers ago. I really like this book. No one else did, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) It's like 2.81 on Goodreads. I can see why people, it's it's a very specific book. First of all, it's it's a New York book. So, it, you know, I suspect that if you're not from New York or you have not lived here, especially for a book that was as detailed as this one, because I don't think it's set presently. It, it was, I feel like it was in the 80s, early 90s about this woman who, um, she's broke. She has just graduated from college. I think she wants to be a writer and she's just trying to make it in New York. Like she's barely making it in New York. And she locks into this job where she is going to be the nanny to this Upper East Side couple, wealthy couple, uh, who change her life and they give her this job. She's able to, you know, she's able to afford to pay rent and she becomes really entwined with the woman who she's nannying for, who's very young. So it's like they're both mid-20s and I think there's some boundary issues. So Ella, who is the nanny, becomes obsessed with Lonnie. This kind of has Ripley vibes as I think about it. And so because they're so young, they don't have boundaries. It's like they, they have this friendship that develops um, and Ella is slowly just becoming more invested in, in her relationship with Lonnie and just the trappings of the, the life of luxury that she has. And this just all comes to a head, I think, by Labor Day in the Hamptons, like when they go out there for a weekend and Ella meets uh, Lonnie's family. So it's a very New York book, very specific book. I really liked it. From the cover, this does not seem like it a book that I would like. It's like these two women, one is in uh, black sunglasses and one is in white sunglasses. And, uh, but I really liked it set in the summer, uh, Ripley vibes about this, you know, this relationship where lines are crossed, like in a lot of ways and how it comes to just how it comes to a head. Hmm. Okay. I've heard you talk about that one before, I think. All right. Well, I just have one more that I want to mention, and that is The Vacationers by Emma Straub. Mallorca? In Mallorca. Yes, it is. (laughs) Another, you know, travel brochure for Mallorca. So this is about a family who goes on vacation to Mallorca, uh, and they've got, it's got a wife, a husband who I think has just had an affair and been caught and has lost his job. So she's, you know, furious at him. Then they brand, then I think they've got a a sort of young adult, like twenties ish son who comes with his girlfriend in tow. 
and another kid is there and they've brought along a family friend and his partner and everyone's got issues. Everyone's, you know, unhappy. Everyone's mad at their partner. Everyone's got their own sort of like secrets and things that are boiling under the surface for them. And it's just all about you throw them into this vacation house in the heat and what happens to them. So Emma Straub for me is a bit of a mis- mixed bag. Um, you know, I've, I, the books of hers I've read, I guess there's the vacationers, modern lovers, then um, all adults here, which we talked about at the top of the show. I think this may be my favorite of those, maybe this and modern lovers. I didn't love it, all adults here that much, but this one's pretty good. And it's a good summer read if you are either on vacation and you want to sort of read about a similar uh, setting or, you know, maybe it's like now and you haven't traveled in a really long time, but you want to get transported somewhere. I think this is a good pick. So that is The Vacationers. Okay. So I have two more that I'll go through really quickly. One is Hot Milk by Deborah Levy. It is about this young woman. Uh, She's an anthropologist. Her mom has like unexplainable illnesses. Like we're not sure whether her mom is a hypochondriac, but she has all of these complaints. And they decide to go uh, in the summer. I thought it was a Greek island, but it turns out it's an island off the coast of Southern Spain. It's so hot. And she goes there to see this consultant who might be able to help her mom. Um, her, like her mom has like this strange thing going on with her limbs. Sometimes it seems like she's paralyzed. Sometimes it seems like she's not. So Sophia is deeply invested in figuring out what is going on with her mother. Like she spends all of her time analyzing her symptoms. And Dr. Gomez is kind of out there in terms of being a doctor. Like he's recommending all of these things that they should do and explore in order to alleviate uh, Rose from Sophia's mom's symptoms. So I... This book was just really, really strange. I feel like she gets, she starts seeing, I think octopus are just washing up on the the beach at certain times. Like she's journaling. She's trying to figure out what's going on with her mother. There were so many pages that I dog-eared though, because there were just interesting points that she was making or coming across, but I just could not get with the book as a cohesive, like, I would have said, I don't know if I like this book, but at the same time, there were just all these quotes that I had from this book. And I don't know, I guess that happened sometimes. So the other one in my searches, you know, like looking at book lists of what came out or what was set in the summer that I read, one book that comes up is Euphoria by Lily King, which I wasn't sure, like I don't know because this is a book about anthropologists And I think it's, I can't say who it's based on because now I don't remember the famous anthropologist that it's based on. But so there's three gifted anthropologists, two are married to each other. uh, And and then there's this other colleague that they meet. And of course, lines are crossed while they are off. They're studying this tribe. And it's all about the relationships between the husband who is kind of aggressive definitely feels threatened by this other anthropologist who's working um, with his wife. Like, And the wife is the one who is the most acclaimed of the group. So there's just all these interesting dynamics in terms of 
the husband and the wife, I think Nell and uh, her husband's name is Finn. So there's this dynamic between them of success in the career, like they're both in the same career and she's more successful. And then there's also, you know, she's looking for something outside her marriage. So there are lines that get crossed and it just, it all culminates in, in things happening while they are on this trip and studying this other culture. So there was a lot about this book where they talk about anthropology and the digs and the people that they discover. And, you know, you kind of get to see how anthropologists interact with a different community and the judgments that they make about a different community. But there's so many things that went on in this book, just in terms of the different cultures, the marital, um, the marital strife and discord because of the different positions, the jealousy. It was, it was a really good book. Like I still want to read other stuff by Lily King. I've had this on my shelf forever. Um, so you're making me want to pick it up. I like Lily King. I've read a couple of her books, including her most recent one, uh, writers and lovers. So it's called, I think so. Did you like that one? You like that one. I did. Yeah. It's kind of a quiet book. It, it moves sort of slowly. I think I was reading that right when the pandemic hit or shortly after, and I'm not sure it was the right book for that time, but I liked it a lot. Right. Hmm. Okay. I, I don't know if I have that or if it's on like my list of books, but she's an author that I've read, you know, like I'm definitely trying to revisit authors that I've read, keep up with their books. Like I'm making that concerted effort. So I'll probably pick that up at some point. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, that's a, oh, just talked about a lot of books. That's a lot of books, books that are summer, paperbacks. And just briefly, there's a couple of books in paperback that I didn't mention that I'm not going to say anything at all about because we've discussed them a lot on the show. Uh, the Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, The Golden Cage by Camilla Lackberg, and Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Those are all out in paperback in April. And I think The Vanishing Half is uh, May 18th. Wow. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you for listening. That's if our you show. Enjoy but we, this. Had, we were supposed to do... Um, oh, We have my to God. do our March Madness stuff. But, you know, this show has been... This show has been so long and so book filled that we will pop on. Let's just pop on and do a little mini where we just do the March Madness books. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. We did. We overstuffed this one. Yeah, we did. So listen out for uh, a mini episode that will probably pop up, you know, right after this one, same day, but yeah, just a little short one. We'll record that separately. Yeah. I don't think I can talk anymore. Yeah. And maybe when we do that one, we'll just finish off March Madness. We'll do the final four down to two, and then we'll do the final matchup. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Readerly Report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at thereaderlyreport.com. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about their reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonilla.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. Thanks. Thanks.